Hey everyone, it's Skylar and welcome back to What Can You Do, the podcast dedicated to starting conversations about youth activism, social advocacy, and educational equity. It's been a really stressful week. Um, the pandemic is really starting to get to me just as a person, a student, etc. Um, as I'm sure it has been with all of us, um, but I am trying to practice gratitude and recognize how much I'm still able to do, how privileged I am to still have a roof over my head and still be attending school, among other things, even if it is Zoom University. In any case, um, COVID definitely isn't stopping youth activists from getting to work, as if anything could. If anything, I think the gaps in access and in opportunity, which were always there, but have been further exacerbated and exposed by COVID, have only pushed people to take more action and to become more engaged in their communities, even from afar. Speaking of which, I'm super excited to share this conversation with you all. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with student and activist Bella Ahn, who works as a political director at Gen Up Collegiate at Berkeley. Gen Up is a California-based, nationwide, student-led social justice organization and student activist coalition that strives to advocate for education through the power of youth voices. In our conversation, Bella and I spend most of our time discussing the Yes on Prop 15 campaign and the Schools and Communities First Youth Coalition, which Gen Up has been facilitating. Specifically, Prop 15 is one of the propositions which will be on the California ballot this coming November. To give a brief intro, it's aimed at closing corporate tax loopholes, which will generate revenue, some of which will be dedicated to public school and community college funding. Bella and I mostly talk about what Prop 15 is, what it isn't, how it will impact our communities, what the revenue will be put towards, and ultimately, why people should vote yes. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's Bella. Welcome, Bella On. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, just to get started, I'd love if you could introduce yourself to the audience, just saying what you do at GenUp and who you are as a student. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, so my name is Bella On, and I'm a junior at UC Berkeley studying history and legal studies. I'm currently the political director at GenUp and um, I'm from Orange County. And I've been advocating for education reform since high school. I guess it all just started when I joined CASC, which is um, California Association of Student Council. And I learned more about the ins and outs of local and state politics when I was interning at Berkeley State Council. And I guess all this experience helped me become who I am today. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, and just as a follow-up, could you Explain a little bit more about how those experiences in high school as an activist shaped your perspective on activism and how you view yourself as an activist. Yeah, through CASC, I learned so much about um, the lack of funding that we have throughout high school. There were opportunities that I really wanted to be part of, but then because of lack of funding, I wasn't able to join or some of the classes weren't offered. And um, that's when I realized funding really do matter. And um, in college, I learned so much about like California politics, um, also through city council and the fact that California used to be the seventh in the nation for um, education spending, but now it's like 41st among all the other states. That just was insane to me. And I guess as an activist, you know, we're just trying to inform people about it and actually change the system so our state can be a better place. Totally. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing at GenUp as political director. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about 
what being political director entails, what that looks like, um, both the responsibilities and what you're trying to accomplish as a leader. I need to like think about this role. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as the political director, I basically oversee all policies and governmental relations of our UC Berkeley chapter. So um, I connect with other GenUp chapters with, um, and also with our chapter with elected officials um, and I guess just overall supporting its implementation of local educational policies. Um, so as a follow-up question to the work that you do for GenUp and being political director and how that's a really big part of your life, I was wondering how the impending election that we're all organizing around um, is impacting you in your individual daily life and in your work as an activist? Because I know many people I know say that it's weighing on them daily and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I mean, with the upcoming election, like we have like labor laws to like education laws and that really dictates like our everyday lives. So, you know, and then like the fact that we live in California, it's always gonna impact our lives. I think it's really interesting because California has been, um, we're always like 15 year, years like ahead than the rest of the United States. So this election is also like, it's also like reflecting the future of a country in a way, 15 years later, like we're gonna have the same issue as a nation. So yeah, just trying to inform people about it so we can make the right, right decision for our state and our country. Yeah, totally. I was actually just talking to someone about that the other day about how important certain propositions or policies are passed in California. Um, just because for certain progressive policies, California seems to set like a precedent for other states, like an, an informal precedent that other states seem to follow as time passes. So I feel like there definitely is a lot weighing on California as a state and on us as activists feeling like we have to push this. Um, yeah, it's, it's like also like local level, like Berkeley, um, we are known to be very progressive. And um, we were actually like the first in the nation to implement like the soda tax, which is like insane coming from like a, like a city, like it's not even a state, but just like a city. So yeah, California definitely um, just always like ahead of its time, just setting precedents there and there. My friend actually did research on the soda tax for like a whole year. So that's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and speaking of why it's important, um, just coming from where you're at in your activism journey and you know perspective as an individual, why do you think activism work, especially the organizing that you're doing at GenUp right now is important to you and important to the communities that you're trying to serve? Yeah, through activism, we can persuade people to like change and listen to our views. And this is like the way to get like legislations and institutions to like respond to us and especially like these days, like I just love how like young people, like high schoolers and college students really take matters into like our own hands, like speaking up against like whatever issues we have. Um, and throughout history, like grassroots movements have been changing um, our daily lives and we're just doing the same thing. So we can provide the same for our future generation. Yeah, and I really appreciate that you center it around the power of youth and youth taking power back into their own hands because something that I stress a lot on this podcast is that you may feel um, disempowered as a youth or that you don't know how to navigate the activism world or the world of public policy or what have you, but not only 
can you do it? But there is a community that will support you in doing that to help you make your community a better place. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, totally. So Youth Voice is actually so important because all the policies and campaigns that are going on, it's really for us. They're going to impact our lives and our just future generation. Um, so like, I, yeah, I totally agree. Like, this is why it's so important to have our voices heard. 100%. And that serves as a convenient segue to GenUp just because it seems like that is GenUp's mission um, as an organization. But you are the expert as someone who works with them. So I'm hoping that you could tell everybody listening, what is GenUp? Um, how and where did it start? Just a little bit of a background. Yeah. Yeah, so GenUp, also known as Generation Upwards, is a California-based student-led, student-run advocacy organization. And we actually started last year by um, a group of high schoolers from the Bay Area. And it's like crazy because like we now have like over 90 chapters all over the state and um, we're just pushing for education policy change. Um, just having combination of like youth activism, policy campaigns, and community organizing. And speaking of the policy campaigns and community organizing you guys do, what is the kind of work that GenUp does? Like what kind of campaigns, what kind of initiatives? I know that you guys have a lot going on right now, but just to give a brief sample of um, what you guys are working towards. Yeah, so one of GenUp's like most promising campaigns um, has been for Prop 15 which we're leading and chairing the statewide youth coalition for the SCF initiative. Um, we organize like March for Education and we urge people to like sign up for petitions and vote. We hosted like various webinars with other activists and organizations to really inform our community. And um, like some of our partners include Women's March California, March for Our Lives California and Future Coalition. So, yeah, we just want student concerns to be addressed and have youth representation in key policy efforts. I just wanted to ask because I think that it's really pertinent to our social moment, but like you mentioned, um, a bunch of your partners are like the Women's March and such. And if you have a personal opinion, why do you think marching is an important part of like civil disobedience and like social movements for change? Like, why is it an important symbol? of like solidarity, especially among youth as a way to demonstrate your support for a movement. Yeah, I just feel like when you're marching with a group of people that believe in the same thing, you just don't feel like you're alone with supporting something that you believe in and just really empowers you, I guess, especially um, if you're a high schooler or a college student, um, sometimes you just feel like your voices aren't heard and being in solidarity and a physical location, marching with your peers. Um, I guess that just really empowers our voice. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the marches that I've been to have definitely felt that way, whether it was with students or just like people in my neighborhood, it makes you feel a little less alone and a little more empowered just by virtue of being surrounded by people who support the message you're trying to advocate for. So. Yeah, this kind of brings me to questions of agency and this is like wrapping up the organization part. But um, 
I just thought it was interesting since Gen Up is a movement, you know, by students for students, as it says on the website. What are your thoughts on like the amount of agency students have in their education specifically, or just, you know, youth in their own lives and how that could be improved or changed? I mean, I feel like we definitely came a long way. Um, we have student councils and student unions in high schools and um, public, public colleges, but I just don't feel like it's like enough because we still lack like the youth representation. So, um, I mean, we're still working on making sure um, students are part of like um, superintendent board or any like education meetings that local governments are holding. But um, yeah, I just don't think it's like enough because they really matter to us. It's our education, but the fact that we only we don't really have much voice in it, or we we don't really have much say in it. Um, yeah. So although I do feel like we have so many other organizations and um, coalitions on like youth voice and youth representation, I still do feel like we don't really have much say in it. And what GenUp is trying to do is um, just providing support and like development between like student board members. Um, so that could allow for like youth focused advocacy on a statewide level. Um, GenUp is also working with like a team of student board members across California to form this student board member association. And uh, we're just trying to make sure that we have student board member seats in their school district boards. So we have like student representation in all school districts over California. Awesome, thanks so much for breaking that down. I was just curious because I know here at Education Reimagined in the Bay, we're also really passionate about student voice and coordinating within the West Contra Costa School District, hopefully to um, advocate for more direct representation to the district from the voices of the students in that district. So it's great to hear that you guys are prioritizing that and would love to hear more about that later. But today our main topic is Prop 15 and the advocacy work you guys are doing for the Schools and Communities First campaign. So yeah, so I'd love if we could start by just breaking down the question for those listening of what is Prop 15 uh, and what impacts if it is passed, it will have both in education and across the board. Yeah, totally. So Prop 15 will basically revise um, the state constitution to require commercial and industrial properties, except properties zoned as commercial agriculture to be taxed based on their market value. And we're just trying to revise the Prop Thirteen one that was passed like 40 years ago in 1978. Um, yeah. Um, while taxes for commercial and industrial properties are assessed at market value, taxes on residential properties will just be based on purchase price. So, so while taxes for commercial and industrial properties are assessed at market value, taxes on residential properties are going to be based on purchase price. So if this is passed um, this November, Prop 15 is going to generate between like eight to 12.5 billion per year. And that extra revenue is going to be distributed to local governments and school districts and community colleges. 
Right. So based on that extra revenue that's going to be distributed, um, I believe I read that it was supposed to be like 40% of the revenue generated would be distributed to local school districts and community colleges, which is great. And I know the school and communities first platform supports that. So if this does pass and that revenue is distributed, what are the like the goals of the SCF platform? Like what would they want to do with that money? Yeah, so through Prop 15, we're going to close a tax loophole, and this is going to raise billions of dollars to fund public schools, local cities, um, county services. So we're helping cities fix roads, extend library hours, expand health access, and reopen fire stations. Um, So this is a lot for our community. Yeah, definitely kind of, uh, definitely prioritizing more both like public community resources and school related resources. And based on that, who would you say is behind Prop 15? Like who's running this Yes on Prop 15 campaign? Who is at this grassroots source? Um, Like what is the demographic of people supporting this? So Prop 15 is led by Schools and Communities First Coalition, and it's basically this huge coalition of like nearly 300 endorsing community organizations, labor unions, business leaders, and elected officials. So definitely a lot of teachers, school districts, as well as housing organizations, because um, homeowners are still protected by Prop 15. And we also have like healthcare advocates um, because this extra revenue for the city is gonna help expand health access within local level. Thanks for offering some clarity on that. And to, I just wanted to draw attention to that because I know in just looking at the Yes on Prop 15 website, it very strongly says, you know, this is something endorsed by nurses, teachers, working people, small business owners. And I think it's important to highlight that because I know that there's been a lot of ads, counter ads from the opposition spreading information that this will, you know, this is not the right time for this kind of proposition because of COVID or this is bad for small businesses. Um, And I just wanted to get, if you could offer some clarity for people listening on what Prop 15, we've talked about what Prop 15 will do, but what will it not do like regarding small businesses or negatively impacting the economy? Yeah, so I'm like actually not sure of like the exact source of why some people are against Prop 15, unless you're part of like the big corporations that have been like benefiting from this tax loophole. Um, I believe there was like actually this like California Supreme Court case in like the 90s, um, Nordlinger versus Hahn, where the judge said Prop 13, um, the one passed in 1978 that we're trying to revise through Prop 15 that prop was actually favoring the wealthy commercial enterprises over like the new businesses because it's controlling commercial property taxation. So Prop 13 is really placing new businesses at a substantial disadvantage. And Prop 15, we're just trying to like revise that. So um, I believe in 2017, SCF made this like revision in the language where Prop 15 is gonna exempt small businesses from business personal property tax, um, expand reassessment exemption to small business owners that have like property value um, at like 4 million or less. And it's also delaying for at least three years reassessment for buildings that are occupied half or more by small businesses. So if you're a startup company in California, there's really no reason for you to not support Prop 15 because 
this is going to help you give like an equal playing field to compete with existing companies. Thanks for offering some much needed clarity on that. I just want everybody, you know, I think that with such a big election as this is coming up, it's important to be informed on what you're voting on. It, it can be easy for, you know, propositions or local measures to fall through the cracks. So it's really important to know what you're voting for and how it will benefit your community. Yeah, I'm just gonna add, um, it's like, it's pretty big, like, you know, Prop 13 is insane because if you take Disneyland, they've been taxed at the 1975 value. So in 2004, they paid five cents per square foot. And they're such a big corporation. Um, like, and also Intel, they have been paying $2.50 per square foot while the office across them was assessed at a value of like $120 per square foot. Chevron, um, huge oil company, they've been saving over 100 million through Prop 13 corporate loophole. So I just, you know, like there's really no reason for um, voters to vote against Prop 15 because we're just trying to fix this corporate loophole. Wow, I didn't even think about Disneyland. Obviously, I know it's an older property, but I think that it's really easy for stuff like that to go unnoticed. But you think about the fact that they're paying five cents per square foot and they're like a multi-billion dollar corporation that really puts things in perspective. Yeah, like the happiest place on earth, but like all this has been going on and people are just blinded by it. And we need to like inform um, the voters about this. Definitely. And it seems like that's exactly what you're doing at GenUp. And just to bring it back at GenUp for a quick second, uh, I wanted to ask how GenUp's mission in particular intersects with Prop 15 and why is it relevant to GenUp's mission for, you know, student leadership and equity in education? Yeah, so education spending per student is, um, it's pretty relevant to the quality of education. Um, there was a study in UC Berkeley where um, the increase in district revenue has a strongly significant impact on like average high school graduation rates for literally all the states, all, literally all the students in the state. Um, yeah, so the fact that education spending has so much um, to education quality, that just, so obviously we can't blame Prop 13 from the 1970s for um, California's like significant loss in education funding, but there's like a strong correlation between education spending and the quality of education. And this is really what GenUp is all about. We're just trying to um, make changes to our education policy so students have like a better opportunity. Um, and through Prop 15, that's exactly what we were gonna do. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, we're collaborating on some events right now. Um, but outside of that, I just wanted to know a bit about what GenUp is doing with the Schools and Community First Youth Coalition to advocate for the passing of Prop 15. What does youth advocacy look like for something this big? Yeah, so actually last year, November, we had a march all over the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, um, just advocating for the passing of Prop 15. 
and getting petitions from people. But now with COVID, we we just moved everything to um, online. So we host webinars. Um, we had some of the state officials or local officials talk about Prop 15. We had other activists talk about them. Um, and we're holding we're holding phone banking sessions with schools and communities first. Just go out there and just tell people about why it's so important for um, education and local politics and just community in general um, to vote for Prop 15. So um, we've been doing a lot of phone banking with SCF these days. My final question would just be how can interested students get involved in this campaign and why like what would your pitch to them be yeah um i would say just joining um or maybe following our social media genup.us um there are so many opportunities for our students to just like get involved join in with like the phone banking sessions we're holding three phone banking sessions with scf actually we have um, one phone banking session on October 17th, 21st, 28th, and you can just find more about it in the Schools and Communities First website. Um, you, can, you can join your local GenUp chapter or even start a new chapter. Um, just reach out to us, just contact us, and we can give you like a toolkit to start your own chapter. Yeah, right now we're just trying to raise awareness of why we should past Prop 15. So um, yeah, just don't be afraid to reach out and be part of our movement. Yeah, and don't be afraid to take control of your own education like the agency we were talking about earlier. But do you have any other things you wanna talk about before I do the like ending spiel? Yeah, um, so Prop 15 still lacks majority support from Californian voters and we really still need people's help. Um, so if you can join in on the phone banking sessions, that would be amazing. Maybe send me emails out, just um, reach out and we can help you get started. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Bella. It was a pleasure talking to you and I hope we can work together to get Prop 15 passed and we can hopefully secure better funding for both our schools and our local communities. Thank you, Skylar and Education Reimagined the Bay for hosting this. I really hope this changed some people's opinions on voting against Prop 15. And just make sure to vote this November and stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. I was so grateful for the opportunity to speak with Bella this week. And my final message to you all is to support the Schools and Communities First Coalition and vote yes on Prop 15. But above all, I want everyone to get out and vote. Exercise your civic duty, take advantage of your civic privilege to make your voice heard. Thanks, and I'll see you next week for more conversations on advocacy, activism, and youth empowerment. Till next time. <laughs>